everybody, it's Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another 2020 iTalk podcast. This is a show that offers you cutting-edge information on holistic eye care, wellness, and many other things to uh, help you get the most out of your life. So I've been getting a lot of questions on Facebook, and I'd like to address one of them today. This is from a mom from the Midwest, and she's got an eight-year-old daughter who's been diagnosed with crossed eyes. And the diagnosis is called strabismus. So in her question, she was asking me uh, about how my approach is different than what the doctors are recommending. They actually prescribed some really strong glasses, and they also want to do eye muscle surgery. So she wants another opinion. So in terms of strabismus, strabismus is a condition where when you look at the eyes, they can appear to be wandering in, or one eye could be wandering in, or both eyes could be wandering in, and that's called convergent strabismus. And there's another kind of strabismus where one or both of the eyes are wandering out, and that's called divergent strabismus. There can also be a condition where the eyes actually separate vertically. And so one eye is higher and one eye is lower, and that could be called vertical strabismus. So strabismus is a condition where the two eyes are not working together. And so in terms of not working together, because they're misaligned, the brain is going to make a decision by saying, okay, uh, if my two eyes are aiming differently, I'm either going to see double vision or the brain eventually says, well, I don't like double vision, so I'm just going to ignore or suppress one of the eyes to avoid the doubling effect. And it's a very disconcerting, disorienting situation. There are many reasons why uh, people develop strabismus. If we look at the, the children's population, so in terms of this mom, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that our visual system and our brain are married together. They're, they're coupled together. And in fact, in fetal development in the first trimester, the eyes actually grow out of the brain. So every tissue of the eye is really nothing more than the brain. So it's an extension of the brain. So in terms of strabismus, it's really a lack of integration in the eyes. But in my philosophy, I have found that anything that's reflected in the eyes in terms of how you know, they're, they're working or not working together, if there's an integration problem, That means that the hemispheres of the brain are also also having difficulty with integration and also the body sense, how we are controlling or coordinating our body has a lack of integration as well. So even though we see the condition in the eye, it's really a whole body uh, uh, problem in terms of a lack of integration. Now, some reasons why people develop strabismus, especially as children, there are many developmental milestones that we go through 
in our early life. And it actually it begins in utero. Uh, one example is if, let's say, uh, during the prenatal period, there's a fear around miscarriages. So therefore, mom is told, well, you have to lie down, you have to get a lot of bed rest, you can't move around because we're afraid we're going to lose the child. Well, movement is really important for the uh, fetus's development in terms of their inner ear, their vestibular system, and also their visual system. So when the fetus is floating in that dark amniotic womb, this is a place where that peripheral vision starts to get activated. So bed rest, like too much bed rest, can actually begin to lay the, the groundwork of developing a strabismus pattern. Another reason why a strabismus can occur is based on the actual birth experience. If there's a, a suction, a vacuum extraction at birth, or forceps delivery, or breech delivery, or cesarean section, anything that's out of the ordinary in terms of the newborn coming out of the birth canal has a very strong effect on the cranium, on the head, the head of the newborn, because it's very soft. And that actually can lead to problems with the eye muscles and the visual fixation. So any kind of birth uh, interference can also cause that, that strabismus to start to surface. Third reason it could be has to do with the bonding period, the early motor development and the bonding with um, mom and dad with with their their infant. Sometimes, if there is a a, a sudden illness uh, that's very traumatic, or uh, there isn't a lot of movement going on in the infant in terms of creeping and crawling and and doing tummy time. Um, a lack of crawling, especially because that's kind of a precursor for that bilateral integration. These are all possible reasons why the eyes don't learn to fixate and coordinate together. And so it becomes disconcerting for parents because, you know, again, the standard level of care, if you start seeing the eyes wandering, uh, you want to fix it immediately. And so the, the two approaches would be either give strong glasses, and that, um, that thought process is when you give strong glasses, it kind of forces the eyes into being a straight to look straight, um, but you're giving such a strong prescription that it doesn't allow for movement and exploration of the visual system. So it actually suffocates uh, the visual development when you give really strong glasses. It doesn't work very well. And uh, it creates a lot of distortion in a person's vision when you're given the maximum prescription. And you know that prescription is actually calculated based on giving somebody eye drops. You all probably had eye drops. And what the eye drops do is it actually paralyzes the ciliary muscles of the lens of the eye. That's the focusing muscles. And so by paralyzing the focusing muscles, then the doctor calculates and measures the strongest prescription there is. Uh, and he gives, he or she gives that prescription as a maximum, and it doesn't work. It's, it's just a very um, uh, inaccurate way of really assessing an a infant or toddler's uh, visual experience. And it freezes the visual development and it, it just doesn't work very well. 
The second option, of course, is strabismus surgery. <clears throat> and in the literature, the success rate is somewhere between 30 and 80%. <clears throat> and the success rate is actually determined by um, if the eyes look straight after the surgery. So cosmetically, if they look straight, the surgery is a success. But there's no uh, thought about how well the eyes are going to function after the strabismus surgery. So if you took the metaphor of, you know, say doing knee surgery, and you did the surgery, and after the surgery, well, the knee looks better. It doesn't work any better, but it looks better. How many people would actually go for that surgery? Nobody would. So it's the same thing with your eye muscles because cosmetic cure doesn't translate to functional cure. And the reason why that is is because the source of learning how to use your two eyes together takes place in the brain. So if you apply physical therapy to the eyes, where you include the brain and the eyes in the equation, then not only are you going to get cosmetic results, but you're going to get, more importantly, functional results. Now, I know, you know, people will say, yeah, but I want that, that fixed right away. I want it done immediately. And if you want to try that, then surgery is your, your avenue. Uh, but you're going to end up going back for multiple surgeries. And what, what's more damaging is that every time you cut the muscle in the eye, you are disrupting and actually destroying the relationship between the brain and the eyes. And what that uh, does behaviorally with a person is they're constantly having to then question themselves in any visual decision that they're making. So their initial, uh, their initial response in life then is always questioning themselves because it creates a confusion in the brain-eye connection. That's why strabismus surgery doesn't work. That's why you have to do multiple surgeries. And in the end, the, the success rate is so low because it just doesn't hold. So in terms of the physical therapy for the eyes, which is called vision therapy, what I found that's really successful in vision therapy with children with strabismus is you have to take a two-prong approach. The first is that you have to assess the child's vision based on their developmental age and compare that developmental or performance age with their chronologi chronological age. So that means that there are certain milestones that every person goes through in their cycles of development and to plug into the place where that child is in their visual motor development and then start repatterning the eyes and the brain and the body from that uh, place. The second part of the, um, the physical therapy for the eyes is that you must include the whole body in the therapy, which means there is a hierarchy in our motor development. And it starts with learning about moving our bodies in a more primordial way, which we call the primitive survival reflexes. And these are very early infant reflex patterns that actually set the stage and create the foundation for us to later on be able to 
stand up, crawl, skip, hop, jump rope, play ball, and then eventually hold a pencil and be able to copy from the board or write or even read. So in terms of the hierarchy in motor development, if you can start introducing activities that uh, have a certain hierarchy of understanding of working with the whole body and then bringing the eyes into the therapy, you're going to have really good success at beginning to reduce the strabismus pattern. It's not going to be so dominating except when there's stress, when there's trauma, when there's illness. That's when the strabismus is going to come back. But eventually, the visual integration becomes so dominant and so strong that the strabismus pattern will completely dissolve away. But it's not an overnight process. It takes time. And there's so many factors involved with it. How well do the parents, um, how committed they are in the activities? Because, you know, they're going to have to work with their child anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes every day for probably about six months. Um, and they're also going to have to um, recognize that the glasses prescription, that's that really strong prescription, is unnecessary. And actually, they'll either need no prescription or they can get a very mild prescription to support the visual development and the visual coordination, but they're not forcing anything, forcing the child into doing something with their eyes because forcing never works. You can encourage, you can invite, um, you can, you know, you can support a process of integration and learning, but it, whenever you try to impose your will or, you know, try to control or force it, um, nobody's going to get that. And that's probably one of the biggest obstacles that's going on in eye care around trying to treat strabismus. I've had great success with strabismus over the years, not only with children, but with adults as well. And there's some really outdated research that says that, well, after a certain age, if you, can't, if you don't do this eye surgery, you're either going to go blind or your eyes are going to get worse. And that is totally ridiculous. It makes no sense for even a doctor to say that because if you actually look at the idea of neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, there is an amazing research study that just came out whereby this was an animal study and they crushed the optic nerve. And what they did was they then began adding something called BDNF. This is kind of a buzzword, um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And this is a protein that actually, when it starts to increase in the brain, it actually grows brain cells. Well, in this research where they crushed the optic nerve and they began giving BDNF, Within a week, the optic nerve began to grow by 17%. And by two weeks, it actually regenerated 50%. So we do have the capability of healing our eyes, regenerating them, learning. Uh, and in this case with strabismus, this is nothing more than a skill set of learning how to use both eyes together. So for this mom, what I would say is seek out a holistic eye doctor 
who can offer you a physical therapy for your children's eyes and maybe check in with getting a reduced prescription and give it six months. Work with it for six months and you're going to find not only will the eyes straighten cosmetically, but they will also straighten uh, from a functional point of view and it'll have an, ex an incredible impact on your child's life in terms of her decision-making, her um, focusing, her understanding of herself and the world. So it's an amazing process. It's super effective. I think it's so much better than surgery. And for parents out there, seek a second opinion. You don't have to live out your doctor's diagnosis. Well, that's my show for today. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, please uh, follow me on Facebook and my website, drsamburn.com. And until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.